0: James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, page 1,215 in the Pew Bibles. As we read this part of the New Testament, we do, of course, remember that it is God's Word to us. And this is what James writes, starting at verse 13. He says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? Why? you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Amen. And we thank God for this short and brief reading from His Word. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of James. We're turning to those verses that we, we read earlier in our service, James 4:13 to 17. You'll find it on page 1,215 of the Pew Bibles. C.H. Spurgeon once preached on James 4:14, 4, and in that sermon he explained the truth in the text— And the lessons which lie in the text. And that's very much our ambition tonight. I want to try and understand these verses, but also draw out some of their lessons as well. So, James 4, page 1215 in the Pew Bibles. What is your life? What is life all about? It's a question that has dogged the human race since the beginning of time itself. And there have been lots of different answers to that question through human history from all sorts of people. So Albert Einstein, the great physicist and philosopher, is once quoted as saying, our situation on this earth seems strange. Every one of us appears here involuntarily and uninvited for a short stay without knowing the whys and the wherefores." So that's Einstein, the great philosopher, intelligent man saying, don't really know why we're here. We don't really know what life is all about. Another great philosopher once said, (laughs) my mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That philosopher was, of course, Forrest Gump. I thought about doing the accent, but then I remembered that I'm rubbish at accents, so good good that I didn't try to. But again, it speaks of the the, the randomness of life, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Nobody's in control. Here's another attempt to answer the question, what is your life? This time it comes from Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says, the meaning of life is not simply to exist, to, sur- to survive, but to move ahead, to go up, to achieve, and to conquer. So, that's Schwarzenegger saying that life is all about living for the now and getting as much stuff as we can, if you like, to achieve and to conquer the world. Three different answers to the question, what is your life? Three answers which fall short of the answer given by the Bible to the question. The good news for us this evening is that James 4 provides answers and gives us direction as we try and answer this question. And it's an appropriate question for us to consider as well on New Year's Eve. In just under five hours 2018 will be ushered in with great fanfare, but when it comes to the question, what is your life? Contemporary culture has no answers. In fact, it flees from not only answering but thinking about this question. If you watch the television coverage of New Year's Eve this evening, you'll see jokes and songs and fireworks, but little substance behind it all. There'll be no answers to the ultimate questions. But in the mercy of God, we find ourselves here tonight in church in Hill Street with answers to the ultimate questions. What is your life? James 4 is going to tell us that life is uncertain, life is short, but that life can be secure through Jesus. We're jumping into the book of James this evening. It's a really practical letter written by James, the brother of Jesus. He was the leader of the Jerusalem church, and his purpose in writing this letter is to encourage Christians to live out their faith. He wants Christians to be doers of the word and not just hearers. In chapter 4, James speaks to the business community. His point is not to condemn business, but it is to condemn boasting. What James has in view here is people who are thinking ordinarily about matters of life and business— He's speaking to people who are operating on the basis that they for sure will be here tomorrow, that they for sure will go to a certain place tomorrow, and that they for sure will be successful wherever they go tomorrow. It's very common thinking, isn't it? Making plans to do this and that, and assuming that our plans will go through. What James is really reminding us of here is the providence of God, It's a phrase that is so unfamiliar to our culture and our world, even we struggle to understand it it at times. But the shorter catechism gives a simple and succinct definition of the providence of God. It says, God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful preservation and control of all His creatures and all their actions. So, what the catechism is saying is that according to the Bible, nothing in the universe would continue to exist for the slightest second without God. Alistair Begg says that you can't even put your socks on apart from God's providence. Without God's complete and sovereign control over the universe, there would be no universe. What James wants us to know is that our lives today are a gift from God and that every day that comes after today is a gift. As we've said already, he wants us to take on board three things. These are three things that we need to remember on New Year's Eve, three things that we need to remember as another year dawns. Life is uncertain. Life is short. Life can be secure through Jesus. Let's see how James tells us that life is uncertain. If you look down at what he says in verses 13 and then the beginning of verse 14, He says, now listen, you who said today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. James, as we know, has the business world in view here. People who are planning on their tomorrows and all their tomorrows. You can perhaps imagine such a person. I'm sure some of us have overheard businessmen in airports or trains or other types of transport businessmen on the phone making plans with the other person on the other end of the phone. You know, they'll say something like, yeah, we're going to set up business in this place. I'm going to lead and someone else is going to do this. We're going to make a heap of cash. We've got a five-year plan, which will eventually turn into a 25-year plan. It's going to be really successful. You should really think about coming on board. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. That's what James says. Some of us have maybe made plans for 2018, so we've booked the holiday, we're putting the university application together, we've made inquiries about moving house or changing the car, but we just don't know what will happen in 2018. Situations that we never imagined ourselves to be in could come quickly upon us. The routine appointment with the doctor could bring life-changing news the quick goodbye you shout to your wife before you rush out the door and jump in the car could be the last time you say goodbye. Spurgeon in that sermon on James 4.14 I mentioned at the beginning says, death evidently pays no respect to character, age or hopefulness. And the Bible is full of these warnings about presuming that tomorrow will come. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Isaiah 40, verses 6 and 8 says this. It says, A voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now, as we're here tonight thinking about life being uncertain, I don't, I don't want to sound pessimistic or fill you with dread. I don't want you to go home and worry about all the things that might go wrong in the next 12 months. 2018 might be the best year of your life. You might get a promotion in work, you might graduate with a first class honors degree, you might have success in business. But it's worth pausing and considering the observation that many of us have made plans for 2018, and we just do not know if they will happen. It's a very humbling observation, isn't it? It's a humble reminder to us that we're not in control of our lives. We may know what we intend to do, and we may know what we intend to be, but a thousand things may happen to prevent our our plans ever happening. We can't be sure that everything will happen the way we want it to happen, our lives are uncertain. That's the first thing that James tells us. The second thing we see from James 4 is that life is short. Life is uncertain and life is short. Look again at verse 14. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The the illustration James uses here is a really striking one. He says that our lives are like a mist or a vapor that appear for a short time and then just disappear. So it's really really easy to imagine this. It's 11 a.m., time for morning tea. You, You fill the kettle. The water comes to the boil. Steam begins to come out of the kettle as it comes to the boil. Within seconds of the switch knocking itself off, the steam has gone. Your life is like steam that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It was the coolest day of the year on Thursday evening in the, on the British Isles. Uh, England and Scotland had worse weather than we did. But on Thursday evening, I found myself walking down to the shop and it was really, really cold. Uh, I did that thing while I was walking where, where I breathed out, breathed out and saw my breath. But within a couple of seconds of breathing and seeing the mist, my breath had gone. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The shortness of life is something that's repeated throughout the Bible as well. In what could be the most famous verse on the subject, Psalm 90 verse 10 says, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Now that's Psalm that psalm was written a long time ago, a long, long time ago. But it's basically still right. If you look at at statistics, if you look at the next census when it comes out, you'll find that most people live to around 70 or 80. I I think if you ask most people, they would say, do you know what, 70 is a pretty good innings. To live to 80 or anything beyond is a bonus. Life is both precious and short. Through the week, at at a really profitable time sharpening some coloring pencils. They, they weren't for me, I promise, I promise they weren't for me. But, it, but in many ways, you can view our lives like a pencil. It has a beginning and an end. If you sharpen the pencil, it, it gradually takes length off. You don't necessarily notice the difference, the change, the movement of time, but slowly but surely, the pencil gradually runs out. The thought that life is short has been reflected in poems and prayers down through history too. Some of you maybe grew up learning or saying this poem about Solomon Grundy. It's an old one. Some of you might know it. It goes like this Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. That was the end of Solomon Grundy. It's pretty morbid. When I was growing up, and when my mom and dad were putting me to bed at night, they used to say this prayer with me, some of you'll know it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Again, pretty morbid, right? But I haven't forgotten that prayer. What it's done is given me a framework framework to understand that life is short. You see, there's part of us all that believes that we're invincible. It's especially true when we're young. Nothing fazes us, not nothing worries us. But the reality is that time marches on and that life is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Spurgeon again says this, he says, every beating pulse we count leaves the number less. The more years we count in our life, the fewer remain in which we shall behold the light of day in knowing that life is short, the question that we're surely left with is this, what should I do with my life? Two options. One option is to say, well, let's go out and do some living. Eat, drink, and be merry. He or she that dies with the most toys wins. The other option is to say, Lord, you've given me one brief, ephemeral, transient life. Help me to use it for your glory. Help me to live each day as though it's my last. Help me to live with an eye towards eternity. Help me to realize that I've only got one life and that it'll soon be past, and that only what's done for Christ will last. It's an option which says that every day we have on earth has been given by the King. And because of that, we'll give our lives our all. Love and follow him. It's the second option that offers us security. And that's the third thing that James tells us. He tells us that life is uncertain. He tells us that life is short, but he tells us that life can be secure through Jesus. Let's read verses 14 and 15 again. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. The the, the attitude, the the heart posture that James is encouraging believers to have is one of dependence and trust. The the use of Lord here is a reference to God as the creator and sustainer of of the whole world, of the whole universe. So, what James is encouraging his readers to do is trust that God's works of providence are wise and that He powerfully preserves all of His creatures and governs all of their actions. Do you see how that's the better option than the option our culture gives us? Life is like a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're going to get. It's random. It's out of control. Compare that with knowing the God who has planned the end from the beginning, who has existed in eternity past, and will exist for eternity to come. The God who provides us with peace and security, knowing Him is an infinitely better option than just going through life and just hoping for the best. How can we know such a God, though? Think for a moment about the Christmas story. The Virgin Mary giving birth to a son who she called Jesus do you think things were uncertain for both mother and child? Do you have any room in your B&B? No, sorry, I've just given the last room away. There's a farm down the road. You might be able to use the stable. Mary, you'll not believe this, but last night an angel of the Lord appeared to me. Herod is about to search for Jesus and he wants to kill him. We have to go to Egypt right now. From his earliest days in this world, Jesus knew and experienced the uncertainty of life. Think for a moment as well about the Easter story. Jesus, in his early 30s, arrested and tried for things that he didn't do. Judas, we've got to get this guy. Can you deliver him to us? You give me the money, Mr. Pharisee, 30 pieces of silver, and he is yours arrested, tried, and then hung on a cross where he died. Jesus' life was short. But if you consider all the armies that ever marched and all the navies that were ever built and all the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned and put them together, they have not affected life upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. You see, though his life was at times uncertain and though it was short, It is through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can know God and know lasting security. It's a security that's freely offered to us in the Bible and through the gospel. There's no charge. There's no fee. If we ask, it will be given to us. If we seek, we will find. And if we knock the door, it will be opened. If we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved and rescued. Life is uncertain, life is short, but we can be secure if we trust in Jesus. Surely at this time of year, surely this evening, it's appropriate for us to think over these things. I, I don't want to sound depressing or dear, but we all need a dose of realism at times. The Bible is is utterly realistic about our situation. We are sinful, we are broken, and we need a saviour. But the Bible provides us with answers to the ultimate questions. What is your life? It's a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's uncertain, it's short, but it can be secure. You can put your head on the pillow tonight and know that all is well. You can know that it is well with your soul. You can begin 2018 and know that through Jesus all your tomorrows are secure. In just a few hours' time, millions of people around the world will be singing what is perhaps the most recognized melody on the planet. It's the song that's associated with bringing in the New Year. It's the song that's played when all the fireworks are finished in London. It's the song that's sung at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. It's the song that you don't know the words to, and if you sing it, you just end up mumbling and feeling slightly embarrassed because you don't know the words. It's a Kennedy family tradition to get into a circle, dance awkwardly around the room, Singing the song that we don't really know. The song is Ao Lang Zhang. Some of you maybe do know the words, but it will be the song of millions tonight. There's a relatively modern hymn that has been written to the tune of Ao Lang Zhang called All Glory Be to Christ. We're not going to sing it tonight as our closing hymn, and I'm not about to sing it to you. But I'm, but I'm going to read it, and you might want to sing it later. Later tonight, tomorrow, and even the day after that. Because what is life all about? It's about bringing glory to Christ. It's about realizing that life is uncertain, that life is short, but that life can be secure through Jesus. So let me read the hymn as we close. I'm going to drop out the chorus, but this is how it goes. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive. Unless the Lord does raise the house, in vain its builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. His will be done, his kingdom come, on earth as is above, who is himself our daily bread. Praise him, the Lord of love. Let living water satisfy the thirsty without price will take a cup of kindness yet, all glory be to Christ. When on the day the great I am, the faithful and the true, the Lamb who was for sinners slain is making all things new. Behold, our God shall live with us and be our steadfast light, and we shall ere his people be, all glory be to Christ. This is the chorus. All glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will ever sing All glory be to Christ. While you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, but you can know security. If you trust Jesus. All glory be to Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you tonight for the humble reminder that life is uncertain, that life is short. But we want to thank you tonight that you offer us security and peace and forgiveness when we trust in the Lord Jesus. We pray that you'd be close to us all as 2018 comes. We pray that you'd help us to follow you in the new year and that you'd bless us as a church family. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.